Hello, Herd, and welcome to another episode of our Clone Wars rewatch here on Nerd Herder. I am your Herd leader, John Wayne. And I am your Herd mom, Megan. And we are excited for this episode. We're uh, always excited. I, I think we say this every time we start <laughs> the Clone Wars rewatch, but uh, it just, it's a lot of good episodes. They're all really great. But um, I was excited to show you this move. Um, just because I was int interested in what your take on the Mandalorians would be and uh, all that good stuff, and it's definitely it definitely exceeded my expectations how you uh, went with it and and how you attached yourself to uh, well Satine in particular. Yeah. Um, and so I think that we've got a good few episodes to talk about, and on top of that, um, I think the talkings about it will be. Uh, pretty fun. We're going to be talking about Mandalorians for a little while because we have the Mandalorians here uh, on our main show. We're going to talk about the Mandalorian um, people and history and all that other stuff uh, on on the main show. And then next week we're talking about Boba Fett on the Clone Wars rewatch. And then the week after that we're talking about Boba Fett uh, on the main show. And then after that we're talking about Mandalorian episodes again. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a lot of Mandalorian. So hopefully yeah. you guys out there are ready for it, you're braced for it, and, and willing to accept it because that's what you're going to get. Uh, and, and so, But I think it's all going to be very enjoyable. Um, I think we're going to have a lot of fun with it uh, for sure. And definitely knowing now how much you like the Mandalorians, um, oh, yeah. or at least the team and, and the general culture, uh, I think it's going to be even more fun fun conversation. Yeah, everyone on that planet is beautiful. Yes. How the heck did that happen? <laughs> Art. <laughs> um, yeah, and so uh, I think, I love the Mandalorians, uh, the culture, and the stories, and the history. You even like Mandalorians? <laughs> no. Um, even if the uh, EU Legends Mandalorians could get a little convoluted, um, I think overall... I've always loved the Mandalorians, um, from just the way they look to also just the interesting history, um, that they have, and so we'll talk a very, very little bit about that today as it pertains to the episodes, but more of that will come on the main show next week, and so that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. It'll be interesting to compare, um, especially since you only know the canon Mandalorians, it'll be interesting to compare that to, uh, the original Mandalorians, the the Legends Mandalorians, so be be an interesting comparison. But anyway, yeah. uh, so we're like I said, we're talking about three episodes in the Mandalore plot arc, um, episode twelve, thirteen, and fourteen of season two. It's hard to believe, but we're really creeping up on being done uh, with season two, uh, mm. and then we're on into season three, where it just gets even crazier. Yay! Um, but we start with Season 2, Episode 12, uh, The Mandalore Plot. Uh, and the moral for that episode is, if you ignore the past, you jeopardize the future. Mm. Which is good advice in general. A lot of people, I think I've talked about this on our, on at least one Monday motivation somewhere. Um, you know, a lot of people want to be like, you know, forget, forgive and forget. You know, uh, don't worry about who you were in the past. Or don't worry about what happened in the past. Just think about how great the future is. And there's a good sentiment to that, you know, because you shouldn't shame yourself with what used to be, yeah. um, as long as you're making efforts to change 
what you're going to be. But at the same time, who you're going to be should be aware of what you used to be because otherwise yes. you just might become who you used to be again. Yeah. Um, but that shouldn't be all of your focus. No. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it has to be for the right reasons that you remember your past. Yeah. If you remember your past to guilt and shame yourself, then it's no good. If you remember your past, or if you choose to, you know, completely forget your past, though, you're bound to repeat it. Mm -hmm. So you always have to remember yeah. what what you've come from in order not to go back to some things. Um, and I think that's the interesting balance with the Mandalorians here is that you have two sides. You know, you have Satine and then you have the Death Watch. This And Satine wants to forget the past and build a new future. Mm -hmm. Whereas Death Watch kind of wants to uh, remember the past. Um, Which, in, cool name for an evil, oh yeah. evil army. Um, you know, they seem to only want, they seem to look at the past as all good, but what we know of Mandalorians in canon, not all of their past is good, yet they kind of look at it with rose-colored glasses and want to repeat it, mm -hmm. and so it's kind of that interesting war of perspectives where, really, there's good in the past that I think should be brought in, into the future of Mandalore, but the two big parties have two different opinions about it. Yeah. You want to know something weird about how my brain works? What's that? When you said rose-colored glasses, my brain got, like, warped back in time to watching Sabrina the Animated Series. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah, because there's, there's an episode where she enchants a girl's glasses to be literally rose-colored glasses so mm -hmm. she can only see the good. Mm hmm I don't remember how that episode ended, but I think it was bad. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> as much as we like... I mean, could... This there's there's always layers and there's always you can't lean on generality. You can't lean on the generality that there is absolutely always good in everything. Mm -hmm. um, in most cases, there is good in everything. In some cases, you can make good come out of something, but sometimes there are some things that are just bad, mm -hmm. and you can put yourself in a bad place, uh, constantly attaching yourself to it, I think, to say, no, it'll get better, no, I can fix it, no, you know, this, yeah. and, and ultimately you end up hurting yourselves or sometimes others by clinging to a hope that something good would come out of it, when really you should yeah. have let it go. Drop the rope. Yeah. So, you know, but at the same time, again, there's also, I, I'm a firm believer that a lot of good can come out of even the bad stuff. Yeah. Um, if we're willing to work with it. But sometimes, sometimes the only good is just letting go of the bad stuff. Yeah. You know. But anyway, enough with the uh, deep moral <laughs> conversations. And uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, right. the animated series. On, on to the Clone Wars conversations, because that's what, that's what the people are here for, Megan. Maybe. I don't know. Well, maybe they just like hearing our voices. Um, Hi. <laughs> the opening narration for this episode is Diplomacy or Deception. The Council of Neutral Systems speaks for over 1,500 worlds who want to stay out of the war. But rumors have reached the Republic Senate suggesting that the Council's new leader, Duchess Satine of Mandalore, is secretly building her own army to fight the Separatist cause. Now, Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi has been sent to Mandalore to discover the truth behind these claims. Yeah. Uh, these were some really good episodes, John. Yes, they were. I really liked them. 
Yes. More I than w- I thought I would. Yeah. Well, and I, I was glad. I mean, I thought you would enjoy them. Um, but you ended up enjoying them for different reasons than I thought, and more than I thought, which just goes to be a good thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very good episode. I loved everything with Mandalore in uh, The Clone Wars. Yeah. And Rebels. I can't wait till we get to Rebels. I just got added by Rebecca, and I think it might be... <laughs> Sorry, Twitter just popped up. <laughs> I think she's calling me out for something. I will respond to you later, Rebecca. Um, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed these episodes. And with the talk dire- surrounding the Disney Plus show The Mandalorian, these episodes have made me really excited. Um... I'm I'm really excited to get more of like the Mandalorian culture and the history of Mandalore. Mhm. Because it was nothing like I thought it would be. Yeah, I mean, it'll I really do hope, you know, some people are thinking maybe the Mandalorian's just a title. I hope not. I hope we do get to explore the Mandalorian culture a little bit more cuz Yeah. You know, I want I want to know that the Mandalorians survived past the empire yeah you know um yeah and and such and you know perhaps this lone gunman turns into a leader for the people at some point you know maybe he accepts the mantle of responsibility to uh rebuild his culture a little bit who knows yeah um but i I think with a with a name like the mandalorian that we do have to get some mando uh goodness yeah out of it um and I have a new favorite character drawn. <laughs> yes, I know. I love Satine so much, <laughs> which means she's probably going to die. <laughs> Everything we love dies. Everything I love dies pretty immediately in this show. Except for Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. I don't like that smile. <laughs> I really don't, John. I, can't, I, I, I don't know what you're talking I'm about. I'm going to have to watch Rebels. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. Okay. So, yes, I love Satine so much. Um, and Satine is amazing, uh, and Mandalore is absolutely gorgeous, and the Death Watch is really cool, but the politics of these episodes are very frustrating. Mm. There were so many times that I just wanted to punch somebody in the face (laughs) during these episodes. Um, we start off with Obi-Wan being sent to Mandalore to discuss the Republic's concerns that the planet's, that the planet is getting involved with the Separatists. Obi-Wan has some footage of a Mandalorian-clad soldier attacking Republic forces, and he brings us up with Prime Minister Almec and Duchess Satine. Also, Prime Minister Almec, what is he, like a, a agrocrag? What's that? No. Have you never seen Legend of the Hidden Fortress? Legend of the Hidden Fortress? No. I think. It, it no. was an old Nickelodeon show. Mm-mm. No. Wow. Mm-mm. I'll have to show you some clips later, but I, I'm pretty sure that the giant tiki is named Almec. Oh, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> it's I, I have heard the name before. Yeah. Um, Almec and Obi-Wan talk a bit before Satine shows up, and we get a little bit of a bombshell when Obi-Wan mentions Jango Fett, and Almec very angrily dismisses him as not a Mandalorian. Yeah, I, that was... I remember when I first watched these episodes years ago, that was a kind of stop and digest moment. Yeah. Because that was, it was kind of, that's all you get, uh, is just a little brief, no, he wasn't, he wasn't Mandalorian. I don't know where he got that armor, but he's not Mandalorian. Yeah. 
And then the episode keeps going, and you're like, well, not, I was left kind of just like, wait, 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 go back. Yeah. What? That changes everything. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like they were going to explore that a little bit more. It's just, they didn't. Yeah, and I keep hoping, we, I mean, uh, the Django Fett comic came out, and it, I was hoping that it might be, a, it would give a little hint towards that. It doesn't. If anything, the article at the end of the comic just reinforces that he's not Mandalorian. Uh, and that was a decision by George Lucas, actually. Then what he do? Where did he get, John? We'll, we'll Who talk was phone? <laughs> we, we'll, we're definitely going to talk about that in the... Uh, I haven't decided if it'll end up in the Mandalorian episode or the Boba Fett episode. I think the Boba Fett episode would be more appropriate. Yeah. But um, either way, we're definitely going to talk about that more very soon. Uh, but yeah, it was a big contradiction to the story of Fett uh, that we knew so far at that point. Of course, this is all pre-Disney, so there wasn't the whole Legends versus Canon debate. It was just that this contradicted other existing stories, which, yeah. yes, I've, I've mentioned, you know, George Lucas has said firmly that he knew those stories existed, but at the end of the day, there was his stories and then their stories. Um but it was very interesting for George Lucas to make the decision to go against that. That had been such a highly equated thing with Jango Fett and Boba Fett. You know, being Mandalorian was a big thing for those two characters. And, and yeah. it was it was a drastic change. It was very different. Um, then where did Boba get his armor? He cobbled it together, apparently. Right. Especially after we see the episodes with Boba Fett and find out that he um, doesn't just repaint his father's armor which would have um, been cool uh yeah i mean i don't i mean we'll talk about it next week but um <laughs> sorry but yeah. i'm trying to skip yeah apparently um but yeah it, it's it's a change that happened specifically because of lucas's direction and he wanted to tell the story of the mandalorians and this is what he wanted to do this is the story that he wanted to tell and and that's the big thing to keep in mind with these big moments of the clone wars is you know, George Lucas oversaw the story. Um, Dave Filoni was the big director, and he was very close with George Lucas in the the uh, brainstorming and writing, but ultimately, George Lucas gave the framework that mm -hmm. Filoni would later fill in, and so... Um, I think you should do an episode about a big monster. <laughs> yeah. Um, I went from, like... I don't mix, know what that was. I think that was a mix of Bill Clinton and <laughs> George Lucas. Thing. I'm um, sorry. But given how the Mandalorian politicians refuse to acknowledge the Death Watch, uh, it could be just an extension of that, that maybe they just don't view him as a proper Mandalorian or a true Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, or it could just be true that he wasn't Mandalorian. Um, but like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to talk about that more in later. I don't want to... We're going to say that a, a few times, and that's only because I don't want to repeat ourselves. I don't want us to have conversations twice. Yeah. Uh, and as of right now, really, the whole Django Fett conversation isn't pertinent to these episodes. Mm -hmm. um, and so setting it aside to talk about it more fully in its own episode, I think, is, is more appropriate. Yeah. Well, that is frustrating sometimes. Patience is yeah. a virtue, my young ones. Yeah, we don't we don't say those things to agitate you or frustrate you with. Yeah, you know, we're not trying to to constantly tease at things. It's just that it does come up, but it's just it's not pertinent right now. Yeah. Um. 
anyway, it's it's really surprising sometimes to see how things impact you uh, a little bit more than me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it. I understand that you've seen everything and I haven't. <laughs> well, not everything. Most a lot. Of it. it just makes me really curious sometimes and makes me very nervous. <laughs> I, I still don't like that smile. I, I can't... <laughs> <laughs> I can't help what my face does, Megan. Yes, you can, and you will. Um, I'm not sure it really changes the way that I see Django or the Mandalorians as a whole. It's really all about perspective. Mm. Um, anyway, after that exchange, Satine shows up, and oh boy, oh boy, the dialogue in these episodes for Satine is just <laughs> mwah, chef kiss, beautiful. Ew. What? Ew. You. You. Um. Especially her dialogue with Obi-Wan. Like, mm. in the past, I've said about, you know, Ventress and Obi-Wan flirting, it's like seeing your parents flirt. Mm-hmm. I actually really like Satine and Obi-Wan's chemistry. I think, well, obviously, I think you're meant to. Ventress and Obi-Wan are not a thing. I'm sorry for the people that l- like that matchup and are into that ship. I'm not into it, and I just don't see how at all it works. It's playful. Yeah, yeah I get that, but... It's like some people ship Padme and Obi-Wan. Well, it's like some people ship Anakin and Snips, and it's just like, that's not how no! it works. No! <laughs> it's just, I She's can't... She's a baby. Yeah, I just, I can't do, I can't get on board with those things. Like, no. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it takes, it takes minor elements of a relationship yeah. and overblo- overblows them, basically. It's just like... Yeah. Oh, they flirted? Let me now, you know, write a 50-page essay on why these two uh, are in absolute love and it's a crime that they didn't end up together. Like, it just doesn't... I, you know, and again, I'm not saying that to offend anyone. I, I'm I'm sorry if you yeah. really adamantly believe in, in those ships or anything, but at the same time, it's just like, I don't get it, and there's nothing that can be done to make me get it. If you like that, cool. Uh, but you never participated in a ship war, huh? You've never participated in a ship war. N- no, not really. Cons. Um, uh, but yeah, I just I cannot get on board with it. I cannot acknowledge it. It's just it's silly silliness to me. I just I, and I'm sorry if that's not your cup of tea. But Obi Wan and Ventress are not a thing. Obi Wan's Ob Obatine all the way. <laughs> That's the actual ship name, by the way. That is adorable. I love it. You can thank James Arnold Taylor for that. Thanks, Jet. Um, after a bit of talking that hints of their history, she and Obi-Wan take a walk to discuss things, and we learn that Mandalore is neutral, and they want to... Pardon me. Stay that way. Uh, so Satine is firmly against the Republic getting involved. And her claims that the Mandos can handle themselves is put into question when a bomb goes off in the atrium where they're walking. And the Death Watch symbol is left as a calling card. Obi-Wan's presence upsets a man in the crowd who runs away. Despite Obi-Wan's pursuit, the man ultimately jumps to his death from the balcony. Which I was not expecting. (laughs) Yeah. That was, it's a kid's show, guys. (laughs) You sure? You sure you want to do that? Um, the sound of the impact is actually really pretty gruesome. Yeah. Um, he says some words to Satine before dying. Honestly, the image of him 
reaching towards the light of the sun is pretty dramatic and impactful. Um, yeah, they got really artsy with a couple of shots. Oh, there. yeah. Um, afterwards, Satine tells Obi-Wan that he spoke to dialect spe- specific to Concordia. That's in uh, North Carolina? Yeah. No. Oh, come on. Um, so the two head there to speak with the governor, Previsla, who is voiced by none other than John Favreau. Mm-hmm. I think he likes Mandalorians, John. I think so. Um, yeah, uh, his clan name has a lot of Legends history uh, with the Death Watch. Uh, in Legends, he had an ancestor named Tor Vizsla, who led the Death Watch uh, with similar Civil War motivations. And Tor was a, has a deep history with Jango Fett as well. Um, but, again, that's a story for another time. Even the planet Concordia uh, was a reference to a planet that, until recently, was kind of lost a legend, which is Con- Concord Dawn. Uh, it's the homeworld of Jango Fett, supposedly. I didn't realize that was called into question by some people, but um, in yeah, so in canon, it's listed as allegedly the home of Jango Fett. Uh, and based on what we see of the planet in the show Rebels, it would be interesting if true, since legends in canon depict two very different environments so uh it was it was really cool to see those elements of you know and that's what again goes back to it's so interesting that knowing mandalorian legends history to bring the namesake of Vizla in and mention concordia in reference to kind of concord dawn like to make all of those deep cut references and then still make the conscious choice to say, well, Jango's still not Mandalorian. It's very interesting. Because it's not like they made that decision not knowing the history. You know? Yeah. They clearly knew uh, the Mandalorian history uh, in, in Star Wars Legends a bit and still made that decision. Yeah. Uh, Concord Dawn isn't much to look at either. either. But Obi-Wan will learn in his snooping, a lot is hidden under the surface, like a duck. Or an iceberg. Um, while Satine engages Vizsla, her boo investigates a mining facility nearby and quickly discovers that the Death Watch are, in fact, set up on this planet. Uh, he is attacked and captured by two Mandos and calls Satine for help. She sneaks away and has, and has him free just in time for the ruse to be lifted. Vizsla reveals himself as the Death Watch leader. Who, who could have guessed? <laughs> Uh, and makes known his intentions of returning the Mandalorian people to their warrior heritage. With his cool darksaber, which I told you I think I've seen this before. Have I? What, the darksaber? Yeah. Is it the same one? Same one what? Sabine. Yeah. Okay, making sure. Uh, He duels Obi-Wan, but is no match. The warrior seems a little bit rusty. Uh, Obi-Wan and Satine escape pretty easily, and with this new information, they prepare to head to Coruscant to sort out the Death Watch matter with the Senate. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the same one. The death, the, the, the Darksaber does come back. That's why I say, in Rebels, we get even more Re- uh, Mandalorian heritage, so... Yeah. Um, extending into that uh, will be interesting, uh, but all things in due time. Uh, mm-hmm. There's, you know, what can I say? I'm I'm sorry it took you ten years to watch Clone Wars. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I thought, I, I, eh, it's kind of disappointing that Vizsla was fairly 
easily defeated. Um, you know, it, it, there there is some good kind of even match, but honestly, Django put up a better fight than Vizsla did. Um, and it's just kind of disappointing because Vizsla has the cool lightsaber and everything, and so... Yeah. It's kind of like, eh, if anyone was supposed to give a Jedi a run for their money, it should have been you, buddy. Yeah. I need to know more about the Darksaber now. Star Wars Rebels. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I mean, again, uh, eh, I mean, part of the appeal of this show is the fact that you have, you know, like, the reason we're doing this is because you ha you're seeing it for the first time. But also part of the frustrating thing is that I'm you're seeing, seeing it, it for, for the, the first, first time, time <laughs> which means we're having to slowly <laughs> go through everything. So I had every intention to watch while I was cleaning this week, but then I just sat down on the couch and watched Yeah, it's Club not Wars. a good idea. You get sucked in. It's true. So, uh, obviously, you like all the episodes, but um, any particular thoughts on this episode? I liked it. I thought... Um, the introduction of Satine was absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. And just Satine in general is absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. Yeah, Satine's great. And um, we'll, we're going to kind of talk about how she's a bit of a retelling of some other Star Wars elements, but mm -hmm. better. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, she's, yeah, she's really great. Uh, and I think she's what makes these these episodes as well is just how strong of a character that she is. Yeah. So, all right, well, we're going to get into the other two episodes, 13 and 14, but before that, we're going to transition into the banking clan a little bit and try and sell you some good stuffs from Amazon. So yeah, uh, hang on tight stuff. for that. All right, so as usual, we have the regular Amazon links for you. Uh, and if you didn't listen to our main show, uh, we are trying to do more to tailor it towards our audience, our Star Wars-loving audience. So um, mo more of the links are going to start to reflect Star Wars and, and that good stuff. So, um, But we also have the Amazon Prime 30-day free trial down in the description. Uh, especially if you're going to take advantage of some of these other things, having Amazon Prime uh, will be a big help towards that. And at the end of the day, it's free for 30 days, so why not give it a try? The two-day free shipping uh, on almost everything on Amazon is super useful. So if you're an online shopper, I definitely recommend uh, you check it out. Again, 30 days for free. Just see if it works. If it doesn't, then cancel. No no worries about it, but uh, at least give it a try. Uh, you can also try Audible for one month free. And with Audible, it's uh, really rewarding because upon sign up, you get one free credit for one free book. And anything you get during your 30-day trial, you actually get to keep. So if after the 30 days you decide you don't like listening to your books, you want to read them like a normal person, then you can just cancel the membership. And you still get to keep the audio books, though. Um, and so, but... Audible, it's it's really great. It it puts uh, the ability to read more uh, in your uh, in your hands because you know if you work at a desk or if you're sitting mostly or if you even just working around the house, being able to listen to a book while you're doing all of that, you'll find that you read books a lot faster and a lot more often. Uh, so I would definitely recommend Audible. Give it a try. One month free. It's worth the try. 
Uh, and then the other link there will be um, the top Amazon deals from every category. We put this in all the time because we make some recommendations, and so if you'd like to find some of the things we uh, are recommending, or if you just want to try and find something that's useful and fits your day-to-day -day life, uh, then check out that link where you can see some of the best deals on what Amazon has from every category for every type of person in need. Um, the other few links that we have that are more Star Wars related out this week is the awesome book uh, Pirate's Price. Uh, which, if you download that Audible free trial, you can always get the uh, audiobook version, which is narrated by Jim Cummings himself, or you can just get the physical copy as well. Um, it is on Amazon Prime, so you can get it in two days to your house. Uh, it's a really fun uh, little book, and it's part of a great series, Flight of the Falcon, so we definitely recommend it. So there's a link in the description for that if you'd like to pick it up. We also have a link in the description for Amazon Prime Video. Um, when you sign up for Amazon Prime, you do get um, some uh, Amazon Video features, uh, but not all of them. Uh, the great thing about Amazon Prime Video is you get connected to a lot of the latest and greatest uh, TV shows that are going on right now, one of which is Star Wars Resistance. So if you're like us and you uh, have trouble with cable services and, and are behind on Star Wars Resistance, head over to Amazon Prime Video, sign up for your free trial, and you can uh, binge watch all of Star Wars Resistance, and especially now that that mid-season trailer is out, uh, you're going to want to get caught up. So <laughs> join us in the rewatch uh, or in the watch-watch of Star Wars Resistance. Get Amazon Prime Video. Uh, the cool thing is you can buy each episode, I think, for like $1 or $2.99, um, but for a greater deal, you can buy the whole season for 35 bucks, and then as new episodes come out, they instantly download it for you. Uh, and you have it all digital, which means you can watch it on multiple devices. You don't have to just watch it on your TV. You can take it with you, all that cool stuff. So Amazon Prime Video is actually a really good deal. Uh, and it's not just Star Wars Resistance. All the films are on there. Um, I haven't checked to see yet if uh, Clone Wars is on there, but uh, there's a lot of cool deals uh, for you waiting on Amazon Prime Video. So get the trial. Just $3 for uh, 30 days is not bad. Uh, considering how much you're probably going to binge watch in that time, definitely recommend it. Uh, and then, Megan, do you have an oddity for us? Do you have some oh, weird God. thing? Do I? Oh, goodness. What even, What is that? What am I looking at? <laughs> it is a Princess Leia double-handed, double-handled ceramic coffee mug. Do you ever just have to double-hand your uh, coffee? I do sometimes. Oh, my goodness. It is beautiful. I'm going to tweet out a picture of it later. It's I, exactly what you think it should look like. Yeah, the handles are meant to look like her buns. Not those buns, the hair buns. Uh, <laughs> those buns. And, yeah, that's uh, interesting. <laughs> um, so, yeah, for just 12 bucks, you can get that weird thing, or you can get a normal-looking Star Wars mug. Best um, in the galaxy, Jim. We have, goodness gracious, we have probably over 20 Star Wars mugs at this point. Because we love coffee and we love Star Wars, and people know that, so that's just an easy gift um, that people give us. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but yeah, you can head over to Amazon, get you a Leia bun handle mug, uh, get you some Star Wars Resistance on Amazon Prime Video, get you Pirate's Price, do all of that good stuff. Uh, lots of cool deals over on Amazon for you. Check out the description uh, for those links. We have one more uh, little add and then we'll be back to the Clone Wars rewatch.
getting back to the Clone Wars rewatch, we pick up with Season 2, Episode 13, The Voyage of Temptation. Some of these titles are would make really great like crime thriller novels or something like that. Really cool. Uh, the moral for this episode is fear not for the future, weep not for the past. Uh, kind of goes along with what we were talking about in the past uh, episodes. Moral a little bit of, you know, don't be afraid of what the future holds, but also mm -hmm. don't spend your time crying over the past. Yep. You know, just keep moving forward. That's, um, that's my motto. One of my favorite uh, adages is if you got one leg in the past, one leg in the future, you're peeing on today. <laughs> there you go. That's not the actual, but I had to, I had to tune it down. <laughs> you, can, you can use that for 50 cents a quote. There you go. Just ship it to uh, 911nerdherder.com. Uh, one Avenue. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, we, we need those royalties to send our cats to college. Um, but yeah, so the opening narration for this episode is a royal welcome sent to investigate allegations uh, that Mandalore was joining Count Dooku's separatists. Obi-Wan Kenobi has reunited with an old friend, the Duchess of Calvella. Uh, while Satine claimed Mandalore's intentions were to remain neutral during the war, an attack on the capital city led Obi-Wan to discover of a terrorist organization known as Death Watch. Now the Duchess travels to the Senate so she can prepare her case against the, her involvement in the war, as the Jedi prepare to, a defense against her opponents. Mm. And it just gets better with these episodes, folks. Just, just climbing up the ladder. Yeah. Um, now we find our story taking us on a sort of lovely senatorial cruise to the planet Coruscant. Obi-Wan puts his foot in his mouth pretty quickly. And Anakin, Rex, and Cody are there to witness as they help with the escort duty. It is another mwah, chef's kiss. Very Stop lovely. Doing that. That's so gross. I'm sorry. It's just it's <laughs> very nice. Um, after the events of the last episode, Obi-Wan is still adamant that the Republic should be involved. Because, you know, he's part of the Republic. Um... He still believes that the Separatists are helping Death Watch, and it'll just get worse without their help. And, of course, Satine agrees. She disagrees. No, she agrees to disagree. She agrees to No, disagree. she doesn't. She disagrees with fervor. She, she yells at him. <laughs> she believes even terrorists and extremists can be reasoned with, and that since Death Watch are Mandalorians, it is purely an internal affair. And just wait. All that really blows up within the next couple episodes. It's lovely. Uh, right now, it serves to show the strong will and belief of these two former lovers. Yes, folks, I said that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> I can't wait until later to bring it up. I can't. Um, Obi-Wan and Satine were, were a thing, and it's the best thing ever. And all throughout the episode, it kind of builds to that revelation, but I just could not wait because they might be my favorite couple in all Star Wars. Just wait till you watch Rebels proper. I love, I love Obatine, but, but Kara's where it's at. It just feels like you're telling me to drink my Ovaltine when you say that. <laughs> drink your Obatine. Get your, get your daily shift in. <laughs> um, yeah, it's definitely, uh, it adds a lot to our understanding of Obi-Wan, uh, and really even adds a bit of tragedy, since he would have had some understanding of what Anakin was going through, um, mm. and his lines in Attack of the Clones about the consequences to Anakin's feelings and misgivings and the weight of his commitments, uh, all those lines have a 
much more personal investment than just being things to make Obi-Wan seem like a prude. Now he sounds like someone who knows what Anakin was going through. And he's saying it because he knows uh, and has been where he is, but it's it's a side of Obi-Wan that was unfamiliar since he's always been sort of by-the-book example of what a good Jedi is. Yeah. And whenever he says that stuff, it just seems like he's just, you know, being a prude, just being that tough mentor that just doesn't understand you know, when in fact he does understand, but yeah. Anakin wasn't willing to open up. Yeah, and so. you can kind of see in Anakin a couple times, like, considering. Yeah, there, there's a couple, I love, you know, Anakin being there to observe all this, because it, it is interesting. But if anything, I see Anakin still holding on to the fact that Obi-Wan chose the Order over her, so he really doesn't understand. Um, when in fact, you know, Obi-Wan says, like, I would have left if you had said so. Yeah. But he thought she wanted her political career. She th- He thought that, you know, she wanted that, not a relationship. And so he... Yeah. And he, I think vice versa. Yeah. They both, you know, I mean, she, they had the same sentiment that Padme had of, you want to be a Jedi, I want to be a senator. We can't do this because it will pull us away from those things. And, you know, I, Padme was only saying that because she's like, Anakin, I, I knew you were, when you were a boy, you want to be a Jedi. You want to do this. You don't want to waste that on a relationship with me. When, in fact, he do- he doesn't see it as wasting. You know, he wants her. He wants yeah. to be able to love who he wants to love. Yeah. And if that means not being a Jedi, I think he would have been okay with that. You know? Um, so, yeah, it, so it's... <laughs> yeah, it's those layers that, you know... It's, it's no longer... You know, and even Obi-Wan in Revenge of the Sith, when he comes and visits Padme and, you know, says, you know, Anakin's the father... You know, I think there's those internal moments with his character where it's like, would this what it have been like if I and Satine had been a thing? Yeah. Could I have fallen like Anakin did, you know, if I chose to keep a secret relationship, you know? Um, yeah. Which there were a lot more factors in Anakin's yeah. life. Yeah, <laughs> well, absolutely. I mean, he had, he had influence towards the dark side and the negative decisions. You know, it wasn't just like... The, having the relationship was the bad thing. Yeah, and it's one of those things, like, do you ever think he talked to Qui-Gon about it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm really wondering if in Master and Apprentice, because we know in this episode he says, you know, they spent a year on Mandalore because of, um, I think, like, local insurgents uh, and stuff, so they were protecting Satine, and I have to imagine maybe her father or mother who were in politics or something. Either way, yeah. I have to wonder if we might see that oh, in Master and Apprentice. I'm going to need some art, please. Or it could be maybe Master and Apprentice takes place right after that or right before that. I do mm. think it would be a little unfa- unfair not to, like, touch it yeah. a little bit. But at the same time, who knows? I mean, but I do think one day it would be great to see that period. You yeah. Know? Uh, now... The nice thing is, Obi-Wan and Satine spent a year um, re- before reaching that point versus Anakin and Padme, which kind of just stumbled into it over a weekend. Yeah. Um, and that that's not literal. That's an exaggeration for my point. But, you know, I, I think it feels more... I, th- I think it feels stronger because it's not like Obi-Wan just went on a mission there and fell in love with Satine. You know, he was there for quite a while. They had time to grow together. And so I think there was definitely a strong relationship. Um, And so, yeah, it's just, 
knowing that and knowing that Anakin could have had someone who understood mm. uh, and chose to push that person away. Yeah. You know, it's just more tragedy to... I don't know whose tragedy it is more, Anakin or Obi-Wan's, but either way, it's 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 definitely layers of sad. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it made me really wish that we could see more of them being mm-hmm. in love and stuff like that. Um, the two have clearly grown very idealized in their respective views. While all that is happening, Anakin is just absolutely loving it. He is really enjoying this. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> um, the clones are securing the cargo hold. Two clones, Red Eye and Mixer, are attacked by a very cool and very creepy droid. Mm-hmm. I did not like it. Aww. Especially in a few minutes. Um, when Anakin comes to help, there is an awesome and eerie scene where the droid uses one of the dead clones as a puppet to try and catch Anakin off guard. It is so creepy. Mm-hmm. While the probe assassin droid looks really cool, it's not the best fighter and is pretty easily taken out. Um, another one escapes in the cargo hold and goes for the senators. Anakin and Obi-Wan take care of the droids, even though after in a very, very gross scene, especially if you have trypophobia like I do, <laughs> um, they pop out of holes in the top of their dome. Babies. Baby droids. <laughs> yeah. It disgusted me. <laughs> oh, poor baby. I, d- I don't like that kind of thing. Um, they give birth to little baby assassins that are really cute and angry. Um, while Anakin searches for the third and final assassin probe droid in the cargo hold, Obi-Wan uses his detective skills to deduce the droid would kill anyone but the person who programmed it which turns out to be who could have guessed it the mandalorian prince accompanying satine named tal merrick and it took me forever to realize but the most notable thing about tal to me is that he is voiced by greg proops from whose line is it anyway (laughs) yeah um i had no idea uh about that uh as Dude. soon as you as soon as you said it though, I realized uh, who it was, um, and he's actually pretty acquainted with Star Wars. I found out mm-hmm. uh, he's been in a couple of games and even uh, a race announcer in Star Wars Resistance. But the biggest role, arguably, is as Fode, uh, which is one half of the two headed pod race announcer alongside Scott Capuro as Bead. Yep. Uh, I didn't realize that until you pointed it out and looked him up and everything. So. Yep. Don't act like you knew. I knew, John. I'm pretty sure I told you about that before. I don't know about that. I don't recall that. Uh, if I didn't know, I have trouble believing you knew. Okay. I'm just saying. Okay. I see how it is. Although I did not know who Greg Proops was until I met you because I never watched Whose Line Is It Anyway. And I only watch Whose Line Is It Anyway. <laughs> well, not, uh, not no, only. Not only. I do I do love Whose Line Is It Anyway. Yeah, I had to think about uh, when you said that i was trying to just think of who that voice sounded like from whose line um yeah so yeah it's pretty interesting yeah um yeah he plays a really good bad guy here because all i want to do is punch him in his snobby face um he takes a teen and threatens to blow up the ship if obi-wan tries anything 
and Satine distracts Tal with some romance dialogue with Obi-Wan, and you know it's not just to distract them. And my heart just... It exploded for a minute there. <laughs> um, she manages to get away, and Tal teases Obi-Wan that he would not kill him, and he is absolutely correct! In a scene that I was not expecting <laughs> at all, which we'll talk about it in a second, what happens during that scene. <laughs> um, Anakin's lightsaber <laughs> just zhoos right into his chest. Mm -hmm. Like, we don't even see Anakin come up behind him. He just sneaks up on him and imbues him right mm -hmm. in the chest. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and there's even, like, this beautiful hint of Vader's theme mm -hmm. in uh, behind the scene. And... Even Anakin's lightsaber hum is pitched down. And it is an amazingly subtle moment, but I love it. Especially how, like, nonchalant he is about... Well, he was gonna blow up the ship. Exactly! Like... Like, and Obi-Wan's just, like, staring at him. Anakin. Anakin. Not again. You know better. <laughs> in front of the senator. Oh, he was a person in everything. <laughs> Carl! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a little nonchalant, but at the same time, I feel like... I, I don't feel that bad about it, because it, yeah. he was going to blow up the ship. Yeah, it's just... Oh, I don't know. It's one of those things, like, you really see how Anakin is able to turn off the whole empathy thing sometimes, and just be like, yeah, it's a bad guy. Just going to kill it. I mean... <laughs> I mean, and you could even say, like... There were, there have been people who were like, how could Anakin kill younglings when he taught younglings for a while? How could he do all this stuff? Well, we've seen him, he is able to kind of switch it off sometimes. I think, I guess. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, if he's properly angry enough, he can do anything. Yeah. I, but at the same time, I feel like there's no real cold blood. I mean, it's one of those things. In In that kind of situation, I feel like, there were few alternatives, and certainly less complicated alternatives, so... Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Could have cut off the hand that was mm. holding the thing. Could have, But that could have caused the muscles to flex, maybe. Could. Could have hit the button. I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think he did the best thing. Yeah, it's because you have a soul black <laughs> as... I mean, it's not like Tal Merrick meant angle. anything anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it was very unexpected for me, at least. Um, with all that sorted out, the ship docks on Coruscant, and yet again, Satine and Obi are too cute as she comments on his beard, and it makes me think, like, if if she were to kiss him, would she, like, put her finger on his mustache and flip it up, and then kiss him? <laughs> like I, I mean, sometimes no, do to his, you? His, his upper lip is just the, the mustache. <laughs> He Gross. has no upper lip, it's just a mustache. Yeah. That's why he grew it. He's, he's hiding it from a lightsaber accident. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Aaron Hansen from Game Grumps grew a mustache. Really? Yeah, he has a scar on his upper lip. Well, there you go. See, yeah. so Obi-Wan's doing the same thing. Is he hiding his butt chin, too? No. He doesn't have a butt chin. He has a, he has a dimple in his chin. I don't chin. think so. Yeah, he does. Hmm. I guess I don't pay attention to butt chins like you do. I like your butt chin. I don't have a butt chin. I have a beard. You have a dimple. <laughs> I do not. Bring it to me so that I it's can It's under it. the beard, so it doesn't count. 
Um, yeah, I liked this one. This was a fun, fun one. Um, I thought it was a nice way to lengthen the plot a little bit. Because um, it could have easily just been like, oh, we're getting on a ship. Oh, we're at Coruscant. Let's, you know, it could have, yeah. we could have easily taken out this episode and just moved on. But yeah. I thought this was uh, a great addition. I love um, seeing D- Detective Obi-Wan. Oh, yeah. Uh, and really, it's interesting how Obi-Wan is a team. And I mentioned this before, and again, if you love the Padme-Anakin romance and relationship, and I do too, I love Anakin and Padme, but I do think it's done a little bit better for Obi-Wan as a team, though. Yeah. Where you feel the love, but you also feel why it's almost a dangerous relationship, why it couldn't necessarily work perfectly and everything, you know? It just feels like the kind of star-crossed lover syndrome is uh, more... It's better done here than I think it is with Anakin and Padme. With Anakin and Padme, it doesn't feel like they're star-crossed. It feels like they're just in love and they're, you know, doing their thing. With Obi-Wan and Satine, it does feel like there's something keeping them apart while also keeping them together. Uh, So it's really uh, interesting Mm -hmm. um, how how it's very similar yet very different. Uh, and it just goes goes to show again that if Anakin had simply opened up to Obi-Wan and, and talked to him, how things might have been different. Yeah. So anything specific on this episode for you? Um, no, not really. <laughs> you said all you need to say. Yeah. All right, well... Moving on then to episode 14 of season 2, Duchess of Mandalore. We're in the last episode of this arc, at least. Uh, And the moral of this episode is, in war, truth is the first casualty. Which is pretty true. It's very true. Mm -hmm. Lord, howdy, is it true. Um, The opening narration is, a diplomatic mission. A descent threatens to tear apart the peaceful Mandalore system. Duchess Satine struggles to protect her people against the escalating violence. Betrayed by two of her trusted allies, Satine now travels to Coruscant. There, she hopes to convince the Senate that a destructive splinter group, Death Watch, does not represent the entire Mandalorian government. Yeah. Um. So, Mandalore, the the Mandalore part plot. I can't read. Clearly. The Mandalore plot part three, ladies and gentlemen. This time it's political. <laughs> um, this is probably the best out of the three, which is a very tough call to make, but this is the most Satine-heavy episode. And uh, this is where I think she shines the most. Um, as she stands, stands up for her people at the Senate. Um, after she finally has arrived, the first order of business is a meeting with the Senate. in the little cool pods that float around the room and the <laughs> little camera from Flubber is there. <laughs> um, like we mentioned in the discussion of the first episode, the Republic believes it is in the interest of Mandalore that they take over efforts dealing with the Death Watch. Uh, Satine is still adamant that this is an internal matter and that they can and will take get it taken care of without being invaded by the Republic. Since Mandalore is neutral, and the presence of the Republic would, uh, would put the people in the planet on a side that they do not want to be a part of, 
seeking the back and forth, seeing the back and forth of the scene, it it gets very frustrating because you know what Palpatine's goal is. Mm -hmm. We know Satine does not. Mm -hmm. Um, you just you just really want to jump in and give Satine a big old hug and kick Palpatine off of his ivory tower <laughs> into the bottom of the Senate mm. thingy. But I am the Senate. <laughs> uh, and it only gets worse when Palpatine shares a message from an advisor of Mandalore, which he claims, in which he claims that the Mandalore cannot handle the Death Watch and that Satine is a poor leader. Satine knows something is wrong because the advisor is a very good friend of her, of hers. Horse. And of horse, horse. horse. She's a very good friend of horse. Uh, Palpatine adjourns the Senate, and they plan to vote the next day on what will be done. Hum! What? We've never seen this done before. Yeah, it's very similar to episode one. Yeah. Uh, the politics of uh, Padme and Naboo and all that other stuff, uh, you know. And, and that's... It's not surprising, because, I mean, it's all his plot to kind of twist and give more power and presence to the Republic Army, because then, when he flips it, it means he has more control. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, he's not a bad guy if he's doing it for the best interest of the people, um, it, or at least that's what it's meant to look like. You know, it's meant to look like he's helping Mandalore and she's refusing help, um, when in reality, he's forcing the help uh, in a way that would actually hurt Mandalore, and that's her whole point, uh, is to stand against that. Yeah. Um, and really you have to think, in real life, how many wars would be different, how many conflicts would be different if we didn't just force the military on, uh, issues, rather than, you know, taking Satine's stance of, you know, even radicals can be negotiated with and reasoned with, and I think to a point that's true, and unless we give proper try to talking things out, just putting soldiers in things m complicates things more. Yeah. And that's ultimately what Satine doesn't want. She doesn't want there to be full... W like, right now, it's a minor problem. But more soldiers get there, it's going to be full-on war. So, you know, adding in troops isn't the solution, I don't think. Um, but obviously that isn't what Palpatine wants. But uh, let's talk about Satine a sec, because we haven't really had a chance to talk about her with all the other stuff happening in the episodes. Um, all of her beautiful outfits are actually designed off of Padme from The Phantom Menace. They're from concept art from that. Uh, and, you know, we know Filoni loves to recycle, and I think that this is some of the best that we see of it uh, in The Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. Because I think so much of this just works for Satine, and for the look of her and Mandalore and everything, and... I just don't think I could see Satine with anything else. Uh, and I think it fits because, you know, Padme has her looks and she has those outfits and designs that work for her. Mm -hmm. And I think these, though, these were meant for Satine and, you know, the, the concept artist just didn't know it. Yeah. Um, she's voiced by Anna Graves, who is actually pretty good friends with James Arnold Taylor. Uh, she and James actually attended a wedding of a cute geek couple who were married last year while cosplaying as Satine and Obi-Wan. It was the Obatine wedding uh, in Salt Lake City. It was really sweet. Um, and another cool thing, 
is for musical fans out there, if you've ever seen the film Moulin Rouge, then you know uh, it starred Ewan McGregor alongside Nicole Kidman, and uh, the two played characters that were in love, and Kidman's character, funnily enough, was also named Satine. Huh. Henry Gilroy, who came up with the name for her Clone Wars character, uh, vehemently refuses to acknowledge that there's any connection in it, that it's just one big coincidence. Uh, Dave Filoni doesn't seem convinced to this day. <laughs> um, but as for Anna, she says she based her performance off Kate Blanchett uh, as Queen Elizabeth I from the films Elizabeth and Elizabeth the Golden Age. Very which you, good movies. Good movies, and you really see that. And I think it's that character that gives Satine her her status, I think. Or, you know, it's what makes her pop, is she's based off of such an iconic uh, person. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think that's what helps her character work so well. Yeah. Hey, John. Hi. Did you know I love Satine? I did. Well, I'm gonna talk about her some more. Okay. Um, she's absolutely great. After upsetting, after the upsetting Senate session, she leaves only to have the shuttle car's engines fail. Uh, she and her guards are able to jump to safety, but the pilot goes down with the cab. Never take a cab in a big city <laughs> that you don't. Just don't manage. travel. Don't leave the house. Don't, don't yeah. Don't don't, leave don't do house. anything. Stay inside. Watch Star Wars. Be like Harold. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's a Twin I'm Peaks reference. Sad now. <laughs> don't be like Harold, though. Don't be like Harold. He was creepy. Well, he just wanted love. I know. But he, he loved just Donna. Was scared of the world. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which it's understandable. The world is scary, Megan. <laughs> it's absolutely true. Um. When she meets with Palpatine, he simply dismisses it as a malfunction, even though she knows it has to do with the Death Watch. And we know that because we saw the dude. He was just kind of standing there. (laughs) Uh, Palpatine's aide, Masamita, only agrees with Satine to prove that she and the Mandalore need the Republic's help, and it's just getting more and more and more frustrating. I hate Masamita. Yeah. Just, wait. Oh, well, you did start reading the Darth Vader comics, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Uh, I think it's in, I think it's in the second series. Just wait, he pops up again and you hate him more. Ugh, I hate that guy. And then if you read Aftermath, he does get a little bit of comeuppance, but... God. Yeah, he's annoying. Yeah. I love the Darth Vader comics, by the way. Yeah. They are fantastic. They're great. The ending, oh my gosh. <laughs> we'll talk about that someday. Um, uh... After a brief catch-up with Obi-Wan, she heads to meet a contact in order to set things straight. That's my Finding My Place song. She meets with a Mando friend who processes the full recording that was shown to the Senate, proving that it was tampered with. After the handoff, though, the Duchess's Death Watch tale kills her friend and almost gets her too, but the Coruscant security droids believe that she is responsible for the shooting. Which, if you investigated her pistol, you would have realized it's a disruptor, not a blaster, and that that can't kill someone. I mean, unless they have, like, a pacemaker or something, I guess. But. True. I mean, but even still, he clearly had a hole in his chest. So, (laughs) it, it, you know, really she just made things worse by running. She just should have been like, no, it's a disruptor, trust me, watch, I'm going to shoot this droid. (laughs) And she does. (laughs) No. Well, yeah, Um, she does eventually. After a long foot race, a foot chase ensues, and eventually Satine is able to call from, for help from her boo. Uh, Obi-Wan shows up and is able to fend off the Death Watch trooper, and Satine gives him the recording, 
to pass on to Padme while Satine turns herself in to the authorities to set things straight. Padme presents the message, which says the complete opposite of what we heard earlier. The advisor ensures those listening that Satine and the Mandalorian people can handle the threat of the Death Watch, and that the Republic getting involved would only start an even bigger war. It's exactly what Satine has said the whole time. And Palpatine now has no choice but to rescind the vote and leave Satin, Satin, Satine and the Mandalorians Excuse me, to it's pronounced Satan. <laughs> <laughs> it's pronounced Satine. Um, yeah. Uh, it leaves Satine and the Mandalorians to, <laughs> to handle things without the Republic's help. Which wouldn't have been much help in the first place. No, they wouldn't have done much. Uh, the episode ends with Obi and Satine looking off to the Coruscant skyline, commenting on how things are changing, and the lines are being blurred, which is an understatement. Yeah, it's those moments where you just want to be like, if you only knew! Yeah. Goodness gracious. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, it's frustrating, uh, in, in one end, because... Like you said, Satine's been saying that the whole time, and it took an ex. It took someone else, basically being like, "Yeah, she can handle it." For the and then it's all of a sudden just like, oh, "Okay, well, fine, handle it." Yeah. You know, it's really frustrating. The, the the political climate of the Republic and everything like that, and it's meant to be frustrating. It's meant to not work because, you know. That's what Palpatine exploits to get what he wants is the fact that it doesn't work. Um, and that's again where those similarities to The Phantom Menace come up, but, um, I think this is another episode where Star Wars Clone Wars handles politics very well, which is surprising because it is a kid's show, it's a cartoon, and that's not to downplay it, it's just to say that you wouldn't expect this show to deal with politics so much and do it so well, you know, um. And, I, I, and that's not to say that I don't think the prequel films handle politics well. I do, but it's just, it's so surprising when the Clone Wars does it, I think. Uh, and here, it fe you know, it doesn't feel like simple, playful politics. It feels like real stuff. The discussions of, you know, do we invade a neutral system in order to protect them? Uh, you know, it, dealing with all of these bigger things. Uh, it, it's really interesting. It's really it's really great that they're able to do so well with it. But mm -hmm. anything about this episode in particular that you love? It ugh. We've never seen, you know, video manipulation to get something to say what you want, John, have we? Yeah. Absolutely never. Yeah. Well, and I thought it was really clever. Um but it was also one of those things it's like hey, that doesn't sound like what my friend would say. I'm going to go talk to my friend. Oh, you can't. He's dead. And that doesn't seem odd to you. No. Like, it, oh, whoopsie. I mean, there's so many times, dead guy. you know, where Palpatine's like, oh, he was killed in a totally unrelated accident. Oh, and then Satine leaves here and gets her thing blown up. It's just a malfunction. You know those Coruscant Senate cabs can't be trusted. Like, yeah. it's one of those times where it's like... Palpatine. Like, you you can't play that innocent, dude. Like, <laughs> you, you just seem incompetent. Um, 
it's, so it's really frustrating sometimes when he tries to pull the innocent old man uh, vibe, especially when you see him. I mean, we know, we all know Palpatine. And we know who he really is and what he's really up to and everything. So I think that's what gets even more frustrating is because, like, you, you just want to pop in there and be like, can't you see? You know, but... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, I think that it's because the politics are frustrating that it works yet again. Is You know, because that's real politics. Real politics uh, suck and are frustrating. But ultimately, you know, like Queen Jamila says in Attack of the Clones, the day we stop believing in democracy is the day it really fails. And that's just the truth of it. As convoluted and crazy as politics are in Star Wars and in the real world, it's not broken until we just decide to throw it away completely. You know, we have to we have to keep working. We have to keep pushing. We have to keep uh, going after and seeking the right things and 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 seeking to make politics work for the people, which is what politics are meant to do, mm-hmm. and so forth and so on. So. Otherwise, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll be living in the Empire before too long, so. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, I think I think it's a great commentary on politics, and it's from a kid's show, which is just mind-boggling. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, and we don't, I mean, we don't ever say that to be, like, dismissive or down-looking. We say that to say... It, it is made for kids, and yet it still tackles all of the big stuff, you yeah. know, unabashedly. Like, it doesn't even, it doesn't even really dangerous, or uh, scarily treat, like, the dude just killed himself in a couple, a couple episodes, you know? The, uh, the Mandalorian guy jumping to his death, like, they don't really make a big thing about it. They just treat it like, yeah, that happened. It's one of those things, like, it's only a big deal if you make it a big deal. Absolutely. Uh, and yeah. remember that when rearing your children. Yeah, I, and I don't. I don't yeah. think. I don't think the Clone Wars ever does anything gratuitous anyway. I no. don't think it just does it to Absolutely do it. I think not. it does it because that's what the story calls for. That's what works. That's what advances the plot and everything. So, I think whenever the Clone Wars does it, it does it purposefully. So the guy, you know, killing himself, it wasn't to be like, <gasps> you know, it wasn't meant to be a gasp factor. It was meant to be understandably his action, yeah. you know, um, he's a radical, he believed in what he was doing up into, uh, giving his own life for it, and what better way to make a statement than to do that, and so it, it makes sense, um, but, anyway, yeah, Clone Wars, great stuff, uh, and I, I love Satine, I love the Mandalorians, I love these episodes, and we're not done with Mandalorians, as we mentioned, We'll be getting more into that soon, so tune in for the main show next week where we're going to be diving deep into the Mandalorians and talking a little bit about their history and how Legends versus Canon kind of hold up and all that other stuff, and it'll be some interesting conversation. And then next week for the Clone Wars Rewatch, we're actually getting into the Boba Fett episodes. Boba Fett is finally coming to Clone Wars, guys, uh, and it's a good few episodes. I think... You were frustrated with these episodes. You were frustrated with those episodes. I think you're just going to be frustrated with Clone Wars for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> but it's great! <laughs> you frustrate me and I love you. <laughs> um, well, yeah. That's marriage. That's marriage That's right life. 
Um, so yeah, so a, a good week ahead, I think, of episodes uh, and and more nerd herder goodness. Uh, get connected if you aren't already with us on Twitter and Facebook. Follow us there, uh, where we keep you up to date on when pe- uh, episodes are coming out, when news drops, and just also just to interact. Um, just this week had several conversations with other fans and uh, followers and whatnot about Kylo Ren and his redemption and all that stuff. Like having those open conversations on uh, social media are the reason we have a social media. You know, uh, as much as we love to make sure that you know when new episodes come out, we also love just talking to you guys. So uh, head over to Twitter or Facebook, whichever you like to use more. I will say we are more active on Twitter. It's not that we have anything against Facebook. It's just the way Facebook pages work. You can't. It's not really built for a lot of uh, intimate interaction like Twitter is. Mm-hmm. Facebook is mostly just for group posting and 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 uh, group alerts and all that other stuff. We do try and stay active on Facebook as well. But uh, whatever your fancy, find us there. Follow us there. Um, also consider checking out our Patreon page where you can support the creation of future episodes and also get some goodies along the way. We're looking to revamp Patreon um, to better suit our audience and our schedule and all that other stuff. So new things will be coming, but just know that if you head over to Patreon, consider just giving a dollar a month and you still will get a lot of goodies and rewards and our eternal gratitude mm-hmm. for that support. Um, if you just want to give and don't want the goodies, completely understandable. You can do that through the Anchor app. Anchor is the uh, platform which we use to record, edit, and post all of our episodes. Uh, they have a free app that you can download and listen to the podcast, and you can also sign up to give uh, monthly donations to the podcast if you so choose. Again, we would be eternally grateful if you would um, even consider doing that sort of thing. Thank you, uh, as always, for being patient with our ads and sponsorships. Um, again, it's a way that we support ourselves with the show, and uh, it's it's small, but it helps us be a little bit more self-sufficient. We just earned our first $5 off of sponsorship. If you don't know how that works, basically, when you guys listen to the sponsorships, we get three cents, and we're now up to $5, which is a big accomplishment. That means a lot of people have been listening, and we appreciate you guys for that because... It's a way that we're able to support ourselves with this, um, even a little bit. So uh, thank you for your patience, and thanks for just listening in general. We, we appreciate you. Thank you to Rebecca on Patreon for helping make all of this happen. Uh, you can, like I said, join her on Patreon and consider giving uh, a monthly gift and support future episodes, but we definitely appreciate you, Rebecca. And I think with that, we've come to a close. Um, if I've missed anything, it'll end up on Twitter and all that goodness, but, uh, definitely have a good weekend, you guys, what's left of it, and we'll be back Monday, uh, to start off another great week of Nerd Herder goodness. Until then, I've been your herd leader, John Wayne. I've been your herd mom, Megan. Stay scruffy, guys, and may the force be with you. Bye!